You're listening to Discography Discussion, episode 209, Candiria. Hosted by Dan Terry. I mean, guys like Joe are like, dude, I really like heavy stuff, but I want it to sound good. John Beatty. I feel like the balls of this band have been taken away by uh, eh, mixing and mastering. And Joseph Wren. Somebody should have mentioned this fucking band to me. That's what I have to say. Presented by DiscussMetal.com. And if you wake up every day like Dan and say, one of you will betray me, then you are ready for this episode of Discography Discussion. I am Joe. That is Dan. That is John. It's time. It's about fucking time. Candiria. I mean, what is there to say about Candiria that hasn't already been said? Well, there's a lot, actually. Uh, this band is all over the place in, in every sense of the word. Probably the only metal band that's truly progressive without falling into the stereotype of progressive metal. Yeah, I mean, that's fair enough because they definitely don't play progressive metal. The, the progressive part of them really lies in their ability to stop on a dime and go into a completely different genre. And I'm not talking about, like, you know, the death metal bands that, you know, are kind of like thrash bands. Uh, if those exist, but uh, I think that it's more like, or it's not like a metalcore band that sometimes does deathcore breakdowns. Uh, they go completely out of left field, where it's like death metal then jazz. Oh, you like you like you like death metal plus jazz? How about death metal plus jazz plus hip hop plus uh, New York hardcore? So the shape of punk to come? No, not like that at all. Oh. <laughs> that's a that's a consistent record that stays in its lane. <laughs> I'm ashamed to say that I only discovered Candiria because I listened to an episode of As the Story Grows, hosted by Travis Turner. And after that, I was a changed metal fan because there are so many things that this band does that were clearly ripped off and stolen by someone and no credit was given. I say that not because no one has ever cited Candiria as an influence, but I've never heard one person ever say, yeah, dude, Candiria, that's where it is. You need to listen to Candiria if you want to know everything about what music we make. It took Travis Turner, our good friend, drummer extraordinaire, unteachers, Alathian, or Crutch, depending on who you're asking, Dan or me. Somebody should have mentioned this fucking band to me. That's what I have to say. I mean, I'm kind of in the same boat. Like, even then, I didn't really actually listen to Candiria. Uh, I heard, you know, a song... Uh, a song or two and I was like yeah this is pretty cool but clearly I didn't hear the right stuff because when I really started checking this band out about two weeks ago I am flabbergasted that they have not been on my radar much longer than they <laughs> like that I should have been listening to this band like back when I was on my big death and cynic kick I don't know what I was thinking you were thinking 2003 Dan called he said listen to Zayo oh take a drink <laughs> I've definitely never been receptive to jazz in music or in metal specifically. Be specific, please, because I know for a fact you will listen to jazz as long as it's good. Shape I will. Come. I mean, for the most part, but I don't like listen to jazz. Like, I'm never in a jazz mood. Let's put it that way. Uh, I, I have listened to metal bands that have called themselves jazz metal or math metal or any other kind of metal, you know, hot ham and cheese metal. Whatever you, whatever you want to call it. I had no idea that Candaria was going to take me on the journey that they took me on. And I have to say that I really liked a lot of it. Uh, some of it I didn't like as much. 
But I mean, overall, I just can't believe that I haven't been listening to this band longer. I can see the blueprints in a lot of modern tech death stuff in Candiria. Can't believe that apparently <laughs> I've been listening to this band longer than either of you. Usually that doesn't happen with something uh, I thought was pretty widely known, uh, it, you know, in the musicians kind of realm. Uh, if you're into more underground music uh, of this nature, um, perhaps it's just because, you know, as I was telling Dan, a friend of mine actually tried out for one of Carly's other bands. Um, and he has been a huge Candiria fan um, and is always playing it. Same with like Botch. That's how I got introduced to Botch. That's how I got introduced to shit like Reggie and the Full Effect. So, you know, there's always seemingly that one person who kind of shows you these these fringe weird bands. Um, I just I honestly would have assumed you guys were kind of more in tune with it uh, and not having been fans so recently of it. Now, you know why I'm frustrated, because this is the origin of everything as far as I'm concerned. They have new metal characteristics, groove characteristics. They throw hip hop in at any point. There's the New York hardcore and then full sections of jazz improvisation. I dare say everything here is something I'm going to like. So you're right. Somebody should have said something, but I think it's an unfortunate characteristic of this band that more people don't talk about them because they should. How many friends do you have that listen to Opeth that listen to hip hop, that listen to Between the Buried and Me, and talk about how progressive and intricate and technical their favorite band is, especially back in the day, Candiria kills everyone. They're more hardcore than some, they're more technical than most, and I have a very hard time giving you an example of somebody that's more technical than this band 100% of the time. I mean, what else is there to say? I mean, this band is... Highly underrated, if you want to do, you know, understatement of the year. <laughs> I think what's interesting about this band is I can't think of a band that really touches on so many things that I'm into that necessarily we haven't seen on, on discography discussion. Like, I'm excited to talk about the hip-hop stuff, because this is legit hip-hop. This isn't like... I'm not saying that the only thing you've done so far is NF. You, you guys really have never delved into this on the show, so I'm like... Hip hop, metal, weird, like electronic music kind of throwing in some jazzy shit. It's like this is kind of the most quintessential. Like if I bring anything to it, it would be like, yo, Candiria, that's my bag. Like this has got everything I fucking love in music in one. So I'm excited to to do this episode and kind of see what you guys thought of a lot of these records, because like I said, this has been something a band that I've known about for a while and have always enjoyed for their their randomness and what they bring to the table but i'm excited to talk with you guys and kind of see how you felt about it going through the discography i felt a lot of different things uh, all at once you know and there were times where i was actually kind of like pissed off because i might have like really liked uh i might have really liked a riff here and there i might have really liked to groove i might have liked to break down and then you know all of a sudden we're doing something else but uh, I would say those those moments were kind of few and far between as far as like me actually getting upset about it. Well, before we make you stronger with whatever doesn't kill you, I'm going to take this time to say thank you to everyone for listening to the podcast. Thank you for listening and for subscribing. If you are not a subscriber, then you can find everything discography discussion at discussmetal.com. We are on Spotify, Apple and Google Podcasts, TuneIn Radio, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, 
So if you have an Amazon Echo or a Google Home, you have no excuse. Ask it to play the latest episode of the Discography Discussion podcast, and it will. We're also on Facebook and on Twitter at Discuss Metal. Be sure to like, favorite, and subscribe. It really helps us out. It lets us know you're listening. And now Dan is going to tell us all about five-star reviews. Hey, 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 we do enjoy our five-star reviews here on Discography Discussion. We enjoy them so much, we like to read them on the show. So if you leave us a review, I will read it on the show within reason. So, you know, make sure you write a couple of words. Describe how it makes you feel to hear our voices in your ear holes. Got a couple of comments over on Facebook in reference to my interview with Stephen Dale of Starflyer59, formerly of Project 86. He says, pretty sure he leaked new Starflyer. And I was like, he definitely did. Uh, I don't think anybody else knew that there was a Starflyer record that was basically done. And uh, Steven had no problem uh, letting the entire world know that. He also said, uh, Daniel Rock also says, great episode. Beck was originally set up to be one of the more mainstream labels from Tooth and Nail. It eventually changed completely into a CCM label. But early on, it was about getting the albums more mainstream attention and distribution. Take a look at the original lineup of artists for the first several years, and you'd be surprised the awesome variety of albums they put out and how Brandon thought that those were the bands and albums that would penetrate the mainstream. Project 86, Dingy's, Pep Squad, Value Pack, Supertones, etc., etc. So, yeah, I mean, that was my biggest question is, like, what even is Beck Records? I know it's an offshoot of Tooth & Nail, but I don't really know what the point was well apparently the uh, apparently another guy named daniel does in fact know what was going on with beck so thank you for that let's go back in time for a second all the way to april 2017 and find out what travis turner thinks about candiria thanks for introducing me to candiria that's fucking mm. brutal dude i love it you're you're most welcome candiria in my opinion is the heaviest band i've ever heard everybody defines heavy is different i used to argue with an old bandmate about it because he thinks at the gates is the heaviest band he ever heard and i'm like no they're moving too fast candiria is like gut punch mouth punch well gut punch. and I don't, I don't know there's also a difference between heavy and good so like do you mean like Oof. the heaviest as far as heavy goes because i've i can i can tell you there's i've heard a lot of heavy shit that is literally just that shit yeah <laughs> Like, right, right, um, I got you. I blew out, okay, I had a 1995 Toyota Corolla that I totaled, and then I had a 1995 Geo, whatever that's called, which is basically a 1995 Toyota Corolla, but it's a Geo. So the insides were like the same car. So I totaled a car and then bought practically the same car again. Okay. I, blew out, I blew out both speaker systems at the exact same spot in the exact same Candiria song. Holy That's shit. an honest-to-God <laughs> true story. That's awesome. So, Dan, tell me about Candiria. Well, Candiria is an American technical metal band. They are from New York, in case uh, you're wondering where that New York hardcore sound came from. Uh, spoilers, it came from New York. Uh, these guys are... As we said at the intro, one of the most influential bands that I hate to say it, that you probably never heard. Uh, this band lacked the giant push. You know, a couple weeks ago, we uh, we gushed over and over and over about Death. And, um, you know, Death is a band that got all kinds of accolades and attaboys and pats on the back for being truly influential in their genre. Candiria arguably, you know, picked up that torch and ran with it and yet doesn't get even close to the same level of recognition. And uh, I think that's really interesting. Um, and I think it's, I think what it really boils down to with Candiria is that they are a band that has 
been willing to experiment and innovate in such an extreme manner that I think maybe it could be kind of a hard sell for somebody. Um, some people hear, you know, hear jazz in their death metal and they're like, oh, God, what what was that? Or they hear hip hop in their hardcore and they're like, oh, God, what was that? Uh, all of those things are very commonplace now. But back in 1996, 1997, you know, metal and hardcore really weren't like bedfellows like they are now. Uh, there used to be a pretty big, thick black line between metal and hardcore. And so to hear Kandaria kind of kind of just cross that line and then also find three or four other lines to go ahead and cross those as well. Um, these guys were incredible at blending what they were doing. And, and I think that's, you know, to, on Joe's point about them not being there about them being a progressive band, but not being a progressive metal band, quote unquote. Uh, I don't think that the metal that they played was necessarily extraordinary, but it was what they fused it with. I mentioned it early in the episode. I loved playing that clip from our talk with Travis, the original episode on death, actually, because that was within a day of me listening to Candiria consciously for the first time. The record that I am the most familiar with is the first one I purchased and also happens to be the last one in the discography while they were sleeping. It's this huge concept that I was worried would be the penultimate release by the band. I was worried would be the ultimate release by the band. I was very much afraid this week that we were going to sit down and talk about this discography and the last record was going to be the best. While that makes sense from a progression standpoint, you want a band that's this good to be good the whole time. I've since listened to the other records, and now this week, I've sat down and listened to every single album. While there is a little bit of progression, for the most part, this band does what they do. It's very unique, and elements of it are just stolen by everybody. I don't think you can have buyer's remorse with this band, but I do think they're a band that you either know about it or you don't. Like Dan said, nobody's talking about Candiria, at least not in the conversations that we are a part of. That is very unfortunate because they're doing this better than almost everyone that plays progressive metal. I guess the only way to fully explain what we're talking about is just to get into it. 1995 Surrealistic Madness. This is one of those rare discographies where I went all the way back to the beginning and listened like from the from the start because I tried listening to some songs prior to and not really being able to make heads or tails of them. So I kind of felt like I had to start at the beginning to make that journey. And this record did not sound anything like I thought that it would, because the only album that I was really familiar with prior to uh, us doing this episode was what doesn't kill you will make you stronger. So imagine my surprise popping on surrealistic madness and it being about four hundred thousand times better than what I was expecting. Not that I thought that what doesn't kill you like was bad, but this just it this goes so far back and get and is so primal in comparison that I was just I wasn't ready for it at all. And I actually almost did blow the speakers out of my sound system uh whenever I put it on because I wasn't sure 
really what to expect. I thought it was going to be a produced record similar to what I'd heard before and uh, could not have been any more wrong. This is um, this is above average demo tape sounding material. The number one characteristic of Candiria to my ears is rhythm. Whether it's the dissonant sounding rhythm guitars playing in sync with one another and creating some point with minimal counterpoint before we bust into the jazz solo. The vocals, the drums, or the entire band together are very syncopated, very intentional, and it doesn't sound like generic polyrhythms. Like, you play in 3-4 and I'll play in 4-4. It's like somebody sat down and said, here are all the places we can put the rhythm. Now, let's play. Yeah, I... uh. It, it's funny because you know as we've kind of been talking a lot more about bands that are are from this this era the the early to mid 90s you can get a real sense of hearing these songs in a tiny venue with only the true scene supporters basically the, those in the know or those that happen to stumble upon it but not i don't feel like this is one of one of those when you listen to the record where you're like oh i you know i don't know it's just funny because it's like as dan was talking about how like the first record he heard was the one it was, and that is arguably one of the most produced records in the band's discography. So to go back and hear this, it just kind of it sounds so raw. It sounds so live in the room, not quite a one mic, you know, in the room kind of vibe, but like just kind of more like a you had a shitty you were at a shitty bar with a shitty sound guy. <laughs> and this is the rec the recording from that night. Like you get a sense that this really is a live in the room kind of a record. Um, I really got to say, though, the. <laughs> um, I really got to say, though, that the song Wind really made me think of it was an unused piece from the Predator score. <laughs> and uh, on top of that, though, I mean, there's there's just a lot of cool parts uh, on this record. And, you know, sometimes when you go back this far and listen to bands, first songs, first recordings or whatever, you see a little bit of what the band would become. And I feel like the band is on full display right out the gates. Um, cool stuff, you know, like that halftime breakdown riff and elevate in Madness, for example. Um, and then they throw in some like really weird, weird like effect. I don't even know what the fuck it is. Um, it just makes me wonder, like, what the fuck is someone's reaction to seeing this band live for the first time? Like, can you imagine what that would be like to just be like, all right, I'm going to, I don't know, some band, Candaria, they're opening this show. And then you go and you're like, what the, what the fuck is this? Yeah, I don't know what I just saw. It sounds like a band that's at war with itself. And, <laughs> what, and what's interesting is that, like, like I said, I wasn't expecting this to go as hard as it went. And I, so I was surprised to hear that death metal influence because I feel like that word just gets thrown around a lot. Um, oh, yeah, they're heavy. It's a death metal band. Like, I don't consider the first Fear Factory record to really be death metal, even though it's largely considered to be such. Uh, and this record is kind of kind of like that and then it's not death metal in the traditional sense but um it's more like choppy riffs like i get more of a sepultura vibe yeah from it than i get like a morbid angel right so what i loved about this was that like number one i love the vocals uh, i just want to say that right off the bat i know not everybody agrees with me on that but uh there's a certain charm to vocals like this there's a charm to an engineer not really knowing what to do with vocals like this, and uh, and you can really you can really hear that. Um, it's 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 guttural, 
Uh, it's raspy. It's almost indistinguishable uh, at all uh, as far as getting what the actual lyrics are. But, um, you know, I think that's I think that's super cool. I like the chunkiness of the riffs. And I think what's interesting about this one is this is probably the least amount of elements that they've mixed on one record. Like, don't get me wrong. There are still totally unexpected freak-out jazz moments. But then, you know, it, it is still kind of separated out a little bit more like I don't think they go full like improv jazz until you get to observing highways which is literally just five minutes of that um, <laughs> but it's enjoyable like I didn't skip it you know I was a little confused as to what CD I was listening to because they hadn't gone they hadn't gone that far uh, out of bounds yet spoilers they're going to uh, <laughs> but, but it, from here I'm like okay so they're just doing kind of like a fun thing like like almost it's like a joke but this is the this is the fewest elements they've fused so far this is really just like death metal mixed with some jazz like some freeform jazz uh and then you of course you've got this incredible bass tone going under all of it that's uh very similar to what you'd hear on death's human like a like almost like a fretless bass um you know totally clean tone so you still have that jazz influence going on during the death metal uh, which you know, pretty much every band, uh, every every cool tech death band was doing, probably after they heard this. Uh, looking at you, Cryptopsy. Um, <laughs> you know, actually, I think Cryptopsy was doing it for a while, but they weren't doing it this well. I think what's just wild about this, even just on this record and just as a whole, is how this band can go from kind of. A, and I know these are going to be maybe weird analogies or uh correlations but you know you can almost go to that like kind of 311 primacy kind of weird i don't know what like it, it like when i heard it i was like oh the snare tone and kind of the playing style feels a little bit primacy 311 kind of like chill and like not ambient but chill but then you go to something like straight away dillinger escape plan style you know dan already said observing highways but like red eye flight and then just kind of be like, nope, this works. <laughs> like, to me, this is in musical form the most truest representation of what I can say the melting pot of New York as a as a place and the people that inhabit it is represented in this music in a way that I've never seen before. I wonder if the title of this record is literal. Like, the band just had these jazz freeform let's make a surreal sounding record guys but we're a metal band like they had all the elements to just be random so they tried to form it into something that actually makes sense well now we've got it recorded it sounds great what are we going to call it uh call it surrealistic madness because it's madness with atmosphere I feel like Jeff would be having a field day with this. Hey, y'all. Because it just goes everywhere all at once. So I think that, you know, I like, I really like the term that they used to describe themselves and they, they called their style urban fusion. And I think that, I think that makes the most amount of sense as far as if you're, if you're making music specifically for outcasts or what society would call degenerates, you know, you, you kind of have, those two types of musicians going in a big bustling city, you know, where they're from. And so I, it, it's interesting because I always considered metal to be almost kind of a, um, not a Midwestern thing, but like a distinctly like 
like a weird like a weird uh, a weird result of like regular like normie music taken to like its fullest extent like taking it to weird places and then you fuse it with kind of a more urban setting and suddenly it already sounds original because you're not really used to hearing metal bands like this fuse those two worlds together so calling it urban fusion i think was really really smart because that's basically what it is and the atmosphere that they do create on this record does make you think about a big city it reminds me like the jazz sections remind me of like the jazz music that I would hear on like a PBS video about, you know, going to the library in like 1992. Are we ready for beyond reasonable doubt? I am definitely not ready, but I'm going to just have to get through it anyway. 1997. So I talked about on the last record how, you know, they only mixed two styles. It was death metal and jazz, right? Well, they do death metal and jazz and hardcore and hip hop all in one song i mean opening track fraction because of course it's called fraction um it's just oh faction not fraction my bad i can't read uh but yeah so in faction like right off the gate i mean you start off with your heavy candiria riffs those sick vocals all of that you know it's like you know like like and then all of a sudden you just transition into this like weird jazzy intro then they go back into the metal they come back like they just go back and forth back and forth and now if you're actually listening to the rhythm section you're getting a much more hardcore uh type of sound than you'd had before they're not going for like the straight chunk straight grind they're trying to keep the energy level up you know it's funny i i've I think we're going to have a lot of the same notes collectively as a, as a group. Um, you know, one of the first things I wrote down for this was Faction gets that fusion party going right away, but it's a little bit more clear in differentiating the individual instrumentation while adding a swagger that really the band hadn't showcased at the point, at this point. You know, that nasty bounce riff that the, uh, the band locks in when they kind of get on a tight groove. Like, there's just kind of that New York swagger that kind of is coming through on this that we didn't have on the previous record. I think for me, if someone were to kind of ask me, what does Can- what is Candiria? What do they do at this point? This would probably be the song I would show them right away and go, I think this has all the elements that make Candiria very interesting. And if you don't like this, then you're not, probably not going to like the rest of it. If you do like this... You're in store for some really cool shit. And if another band did this, you would think they are fucking with you. Kinda. But but I mean, Candiria gets away with it. It's their shtick, and it fucking works. I don't know why it works so well. Because they, you can tell it's authentic. That's why. They're not doing it just to do it. That's They're not fair. doing it to fuck with us. They're doing it because it's what. Hey, they are kind of fucking with us. Because who could really do this and have it sound so cohesive without? It's seeming like, oh, well, here's kind of where you, you melded this part and this part because you, you dropped out for a second and then we're able to bring in a new idea or a new riff. They don't do that. If you're paying attention, there's always a through line of how they got somewhere. And that's the hard part about this is anyone else who would try to do this, like you said, it's it would be so obvious they're fucking trying. It's not with these guys. It just feels so natural. I wonder if they approached this like a jazz record because they are dissonant enough and they are rhythmic enough. Dissonance and rhythm are at the core of all jazz. 
So how do you take good players a step further? Well, you could try turning up the volume and distorting the guitars and go ahead and scream the vocals. Let's see what happens. I could see that coming out of jazz more than I can see jazz going into metal. Mm, but that's I, clearly not what happened. I feel like maybe with some of these kind of bands, I feel like they play around with a lot more jazz chordings and so forth to kind of do like what you say, some of those like more dissonant things. That is kind of how jazz sort of gets formed and isn't kind of jazz. It's not an accident. You just play it again. And then it was meant to be there or bend the note. Sure. I mean, the thing that's kind of crazy about this, this record, too, is, you know, like Dan said, there's more hip hop actually coming through on this and got to say fucking all about it. Um, you know, Paradigm Shift is one of the first songs we see with that kind of coming through. And again, I can't help but think of like, what is a kid who's grabbing this and just going, what the fuck? They're rapping now and it's good. <laughs> um, you know, I, but for me, I'm I'm more of a fan of like, give me the mental politics kind of songs. Give me that where it's straight hip hop for the whole song. And it's kind of got that sweet spot of hip hop for me where you you just have like a handful of MCs basically trading bars back and forth. And it's it just, you know, over a really cool melody. And it really kind of reminds me for, for me of like Dilated Peoples, The Roots, Jurassic Five, those hip hop groups that had a couple of different voices within the group, but also were able to kind of play around with actual instrumentation, uh, looking more at Jurassic Five and the Roots for that. But, you know, even Dilated Peoples using actual arrangements of songs with musicality to them. And I think that's kind of the really cool thing about this is it kind of really just hits on that old school hip hop vibe for me, um, just kind of feeds that. Something maybe for Dan, this is a good question I'll throw to you. How much how much influence do you think Candiri had on a band like Blood Has Been Shed for some of the weird shit they started doing? Quite a bit, actually. I was going to bring up uh, Blood Has Been Shed. Is it this? There's a lot of similarities uh, as far as uh, especially like chord progression. Um, and it's funny, too, because like I don't think that Blood Has Been Shed sounds that much different than this. And not at times, no, no. However, I would still call Blood Has Been Shed like a metalcore, you know, who kind of band. But for some reason, I don't feel that way about this. Um, and I think the key difference is, is that um, Blood Has Been Shed was still was still kind of staying in their lane as far as overall sound goes. Like they're using, I know that sounds crazy because their lane's crazy and all over the world, <laughs> all over the road. Yeah, it is. You know, their their lane is the, it's like a, a piece of road with trees in the middle of it and stop signs everywhere. And, you know, uh, but Candiria, they don't drive in the road. Where they're going, they don't need roads, right? Um, Got a light. So it it's a very similar it's a very similar experience. Yes, uh, and you can you can almost hear moments on these records where blood has been shed may have even just lifted directly from Candiria. Um, but you know one thing that I think is really important. This is where I'll, I'll flex my vocalist muscle uh, here a little bit. It's interesting to me how much better the vocals are between this album and Surrealistic Madness. Where on that record he kind of just did the vocals, he just did the, the the hardcore or the the metal screams and everything over it. Uh, on this record, he's trying really, really, really hard to change up his delivery. His delivery is literally whatever the song calls for, uh, in a way that most vocalists aren't able to do. Um, a lot of vocalists lock into a certain delivery and they give the same generic delivery throughout the whole record. This album's interesting because he 
ha- there is a hip hop swagger even to the way he delivers the screamed vocals. Uh, and it's something that I haven't ever really heard out of any other metal bands um, that I can think of, like before the new metal movement kind of came along. Uh, this was, it's very rhythmic, it's very scatty, um, it's all over the place. And, but whenever you really listen to each song individually as its own unit, his vocal delivery is actually like genius the way he screams over it. Because at first I was like, okay, so he's doing kind of a Max Cavalera thing, you know, like as a vocal, especially on this record where he's a little bit more shouty, a little bit less growly. And um, he's, he has has an aesthetic or a, he has a cosmetic similarity to Max Cavalera in his delivery, except even Max still just kind of does one thing. Whereas here, I mean, dude is just going all over the place. Um, and he, even whenever a song's in an insane time signature, he will adjust his vocals accordingly. And that's not something that you get out of a lot of screaming vocalists. Absolutely not. 1999, the process of self-development. So something I want to bring up, because I forgot to bring it up previously. What kind of music do you think is contained within a Kandiri album based on the album covers themselves? Like, do you, when you're going through a record store and you were to see that, what do you think it would be based on the album cover? Early on? No, like these these first three records. Just looking at these first three records, if I didn't read the name of the band and I was only focusing on the artwork, Jazz Fusion or Funk, some type of fusion, alternative fusion, whatever you want to call it, it would be some type of... It wouldn't be straight metal, let's put it that way. See, it's weird because when I looked at it, I, I would almost kind of get more of a like grunge kind of aesthetic, like maybe like a COC, Alice in Chains kind of vibe, like those early record covers that they used to have. So I'd almost feel like it would be like stoner metal. But it was just weird as I was kind of looking at these as the only visual thing I had to go with these records. I just kind of kept looking at it going like these re- album covers are really fucking weird. And I don't necessarily know that they correlate to the music contained within but i also think they're equally as fucking weird (laughs) so maybe it's a perfect marriage for all of them but it was just kind of an interesting this whole discography really just kind of made me start thinking of like i said it's kind of beating the dead horse for me right at this point but it's leave bojack alone john sure but it's just kind of what were people because i know how people talk about it now with the band being around for as long as they have but when this shit was coming out how did people how were people reacting to this? Because it it just is so different. There was nothing like it. I mean, I'm even kind of looking at method of expression. Everything that the band does and did on the last record is on full display here, but like kicked up a notch. Um I would love to find out and and Dan maybe knows some of this or maybe has in all the Googling I did for this discography discussion, I could not find any of the rappers that were on any of those tracks specifically which is going to come into play on the next record, but it just, it's so interesting. Carly's varied vocals on this between how he raps between sort of Dan's love of his, you know, more aggressive vocals, which I'm not necessarily a fan of uh, at all times, but I think works with the sound the band has. Um, I love how the band has been able to balance and that's, it's something I think could be a detriment to this band is that they are able to find a way to balance the heavy and ambient and groove. And while it does feel a tad disjointed, there's something about it. I like almost 
it's almost like a great playlist band as joe sometimes will say with some of the previous discography discussions you guys have done sometimes i want to listen to ice cube and then listen to gojira and then Hatebreed and then listen to some pop music now this you don't have to right this is basically the perfect playlist band for someone like myself and i think a lot of people i i just feel like even a song like Leaving Atmosphere, I feel like is a push in a new direction for what they are incorporating on this record. I, I jammed that one song probably for like an hour and it kind of made me think, you know, as we've kind of been like, where does this band fit? Where, why aren't more people talking about them and so forth? And a weird, a weird thought came to me where I go, this sounds like that Adult Swim bumper music when they are like in between episodes or something. It almost sounds like something like that. And then you have 45 seconds of randomness while the white text is on the black background and then says Adult Swim. Yeah. And I feel like even Adult Swim sort of is a great example of how a band like this could have fit into their just ADHD kind of style thing. But it all works. See, I thought Carly did all the vocals. Not on all the rapping. The rapping is there's other people. There's no yeah, way they're, they're collaborations. Yeah, yeah, there's no way that's the same person. I mean, you could hear it in the cadence and just the, the tone of voice. There's no way that's the same person. So to answer your original question, uh, acid jazz or I'm sorry. Uh, no, you know what? Yes, acid jazz. Let's put it that way. Acid rock is actually what I was going to say, but the word <laughs> jazz just keeps kind of flying from my lips. Got any of those uh, acid jazz cigarettes? The acid jazz, you know it. Well, it, this record is is interesting to me because of kind of the newer or the modern renditions of older Candiria songs uh, that are on this record, uh, like Temple of Sickness, uh, Method of Expression, uh, some of the uh, Elevate and Madness, like uh, some of these songs that were actually on Surrealistic Madness. Uh, but have been updated, obviously, with a budget and better studio and, and all of that. Uh, and hearing kind of some of the things that they've done with those songs and kind of updated them to the newer sound. Um, I thought that was that was really cool. Um, not method of expression. That wasn't on Surrealistic Madness. Uh, but anyway, I, I, liked, I liked how they were able to seamlessly blend some of those older songs uh, into their newer material. But yeah, this this record um, is absolutely just normally I would say like, oh, it's more of the same. It sounds a lot like the last record. It does. But when the records are this interesting, it's hard to say that, you know, it's hard to say like, oh, well, they just did the same thing again. When that is like partially true, but they improved on it in almost every single way. You know, the vocals again, the vocals get better as as we go. Um, the the subtlety of blending elements together is much more apparent here. They're starting to really carve together an actual sound that's unique of their own that's more than just we're going to stop now and then we're going to play this jazz part and then we're going to go back into the heavy part then we're going to stop and do this weird break and then we're going to go off time you know, like they're, they did some of that more basic stuff on the previous two records uh, by the time you get here, I mean, process of self-development couldn't be a more apt title, you know, for, for a record in that, like, you know, Temple of Sickness on this record is better than Temple of Sickness on Surrealistic Madness. You know, it, it just is because you, you've got a more experienced band pulling this style off better than they ever have before. And yeah, the hip hop stuff, I found myself enjoying quite a bit. And like you said, John, I think part of it is just because it's legitimate. 
You know, this isn't like a this isn't like a a, a Fred Durst coming in and being like, "All right, man, I'm going to become the greatest rapper of all time." Uh, it's not a Mike Shinoda. It's not like a, it's not like a, for, for lack of a better term, and I'm just going to say it, um, it's not like Middle America came in and tried to take rap and put it into a m- Middle America style of music, which metal is oftentimes considered to be. Uh, instead, this is like, no, we're in New York and we know these rappers and we're going to collaborate with them and we're going to get their stuff on our stuff. Like, uh, it it all comes together very legitimately and sounds and sounds as such. I know at least one of these albums is a concept record. Is this album a musical concept, or did they just put together a lot of really good ideas and continue the surrealistic experience that they started with? I think they were still. Bl- I think they were still figuring it out. It's one of those things where it's like, dude, obviously we're all a bunch of standout musicians and can do all this really cool, neat stuff. I don't think that they really started blending that stuff together into concepts until a couple of albums later. Musical concepts, anyway. 2001. 300% density. Dan, Ultraman is here. Are you psyched? I mean, I I can do with or without Ultraman, but, uh, you know, this record is really almost in a different ballpark man from from everything they've done before not that the stuff that they did before wasn't cool but now dude this is like dillinger escape plan botch coalesce type of stuff album cover this remind is... anyone of, of a dillinger record or is that just me what's that said so the album cover remind anyone of a certain dillinger record or was that just yeah. me yeah yeah i'm, yeah, I'm wondering <laughs> well you know they were only th- they were only 43% burnt right um <laughs> We but, like fractions yeah. in our music. Yeah, although I think that record came out before this one did. Yeah, I couldn't uh, remember. I think I think Calculating Infinity was 98, uh, if I remember correctly. But uh, yeah, so this puts Candiria in almost a totally different... Uh, crazy, they're almost in a totally different genre now. Um, <laughs> who would have thought? Uh, yeah, but this this record is insane. And I like it more. I actually like it more than Calculating Infinity. Uh, it's a little bit more uh, subtle. You know, <laughs> said no one ever about Candiria. <laughs> but it is, I mean, com- compared to that first Dillinger record, it yeah, is no, for sure. pretty it subtle. Is. Um, it's a little bit more, I, I, don't, I, I almost want to say it's a little bit more mature. Yeah. You know, um, sometimes I feel like with bands like Dillinger, it's like the whole monkeys with a typewriter scenario <laughs> where like eventually somebody's going to come up with something that's going to just happen to be genius. Whereas this, <laughs> this actually was. Like, like, legitimate, like, you had actually, like, educated people, um, proven musicians sitting down and making something really, really great. And here, they're not like, let's stop on a dime and go into a, and go into a jazz part, or, uh, you know, let's throw a whole bunch of hip hop in for, 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 because we feel like it that day. Um, this is a much more concentrated effort than anything else that they've done before. And what comes out of it is almost a completely unique sound out of all of their other records. I don't think they have another record that sounds like this. No. Um, I mean, you're absolutely right. This this does sound like the band maturing, which is weird because a lot of the styles they are able to incorporate. I think you have to be a mature musician to be able to pull off some of those kind of things. For me, I feel like they maybe wanted you to think this album was just going to be all heavy as hell. But I mean, the way the first few songs start the record and then mass leads the way to probably my favorite of the group's hip hop leaning songs. 
Um, words from a lexicon. I swear to fucking God, that's Redman that starts off the first verse. It's the same cadence. He uses kind of uh, Redman's calling card of, you know, re referring to himself as Doc. That's uh, one of his monikers. Um, again, I can't find any fucking info on who's on any of these hip hop tracks uh, throughout the band's discography. So if anyone listening to this has any information as to who's on these tracks, please let me know because I would love to go find some of these other MCs and so forth and go see what they've got beyond these songs. Um, and maybe those are in the liner notes, but like I said, I'm surprised between Google being a thing, I couldn't find any information on these people. Um, but this just as a whole feels, those songs kind of have just that classic New York East Coast style hip hop going on with whoever's on that song. Um, I mean, by and large, I mean, sort of like we did last week with the mirror, Kandiri is kind of the same. <laughs> it's great. They push themselves in really interesting ways. They write interesting songs. It's a great record. What else can you fucking say? Um, I'm loving that basically this is the second record in a row where they're ending the last song on kind of a very ethereal jam kind of thing. Um, I'm down for more of that. Uh, I almost wish maybe they would kind of explore that even more. Um, I, I sometimes do wonder as, as this discography moves forward and there are EPs and they're like remix albums and so forth. I would almost like to see this would be a band I think would actually benefit from here's our full length. If you're going to put out an EP in between that of some other new music, I think that would really they would be a band that would benefit from doing that where you just kind of get to see the stylistic evolution of where the band is currently between album cycles. And then we just wouldn't talk about it. And then we would uh, be totally shocked when the next album sounds totally different. Right. <laughs> well, for, for, uh, this, for the sake of this show, yes, I we would not want EPs to be in between. But as a music fan, sometimes I feel like that's the thing that's crazy about when you, you know, you know that a lot of people are writing at all times or maybe there were ideas from a recording session that weren't used, but then get picked up for another recording session for the next album. And so it just kind of they are a band where I feel like maybe it would have been cool to kind of hear the in-between ideas on stuff and see where maybe they were wanting to go. But then we're like, eh, I'm not really feeling that. No matter how random they are, I love that Candiria always starts off heavy. That is their signature to me. If they have a signature, dissonant, heavy <laughs> groove, and they do it on every record. It sets you up for the surprise if you don't know what's coming, but then when the jazz and the other elements, the hip-hop comes in, now you're open and ready to receive whatever that vibe is going to be. So I know you like uh, I know you like words from Lexicon. Me, my favorite was uh, Advancing Positions. Great job, uh, too. Just because, like, I... And this kind of shows uh, if, if there is a way to show John and my differences in, a, in, in preference on, on R&B or hip-hop uh, in that, like, I like kind of that slower, more down-tempo, um, like, lo-fi kind of stuff. Um, and this one, rap. Advancing Positions, is fantastic because, like, it's it's got that it's got those tribal drums kind of going in the background. It's got didgeridoos coming in, you know, midway through the track. Um, it it sounds like we're like on the edge of a yeah, like we're 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 on Skull Island right now, baby. Like, and oh, I, that was I really, because I drank too much tequila. <laughs> oh no, happened. it's fine. No, but I mean it was appropriate. Um, but yeah, 
And then, of course, they come out of that like slower song into like the the obvious destination, which again, amazing name for a song. Just right off of right after that, um, like yeah, this record is just the entire package. And like I said, it's a much more composed, much 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 less random record because whenever I whenever I really dissect the previous three, I am finding a little bit more examples of true randomness. And this is the first record where it might appear to be true randomness, but the more you listen to it, the more it starts to make sense. And you're like, no, this isn't random at all. This, this had to happen. This is the obvious destination, right? Like, um, and just the way this band has mastered the art of, of metal and riffing and stuff. I mean, let's, let's be honest here. How many, how many bands do we listen to for this show where they're basically just playing the same style over and over and over again? And songs are, Songs are full of just trash filler riffs. Candiria doesn't have that kind of filler. They make their guitar count. They make they make those riffs uh, and those dropouts, and so they make it all they make it all count. Whereas I feel like there's a lot of bands where it's just like, well, we got to get through six minutes of this, so we're gonna play you know however many riffs we have to do to get to there. Whereas Candiria, every single riff that I hear from this point on, it gets me pumped. It has a, that visceral reaction. Whereas there's other bands where like they'll have a moment like that in a song, and that's the moment that you're looking forward to. Whereas they have they have those standout moments in almost every single riff that they play. 2004. What doesn't kill you? Well, let's talk about what didn't kill them Whew. for a second. By the way, I always mistook this album cover for the 36 Crazy Fist uh, Bitterness the Star album cover. It's very similar, isn't it? <laughs> it's the same like color scheme and like color and like the layout is almost the same from afar. But yeah, I always thought this was the same record. <laughs> Should text Brock and be all like, "Hey man, what, what were you doing ripping Candiria off like that?" Um, so back in 2002, Candiria was driving a van, that van, the van that's on the cover. Uh, and they were collided with the van ended up flipping over and like the band members were like fl- were like flung from the vehicle out onto the highway uh, with however many injuries you can imagine would result from that. Um, we're super lucky that they are all still with us uh, after that. Uh, but yeah, that, that this was something that basically just put the brakes on the band almost immediately. Um, it took them it took them a couple of years to get back to of recording and playing music and uh at the end of that you know they decided to make the uh cover of the album the van and call it what doesn't kill you will make you stronger for a band that's this abstract i love how straightforward some of their album titles really are yeah this is uh so for me something that i've kind of addressed since joining the show is that i i I didn't necessarily want to shit on things for the sake of shitting on them. Uh, I, I try to find a positive uh, as well in, in in that before just critiquing something. Because I feel like that's something we as music fans do too much of is we'll just shit on something and then be like, no, it sucks. So and it's not really it's not helpful and it's not really an opinion uh, in the truest of senses. But something, you know, as Dan was saying earlier, something that he that something that endeared him to Candiria was Carly's kind of rough vocals. Um, they were always kind of a thing that turned me off. Uh, the One of the few things that turned me off about the band. And it was really because the band was so exceptional and such a 
an elite level above a lot of other players in the game at this time that I felt like Carly at the time was just very, very much the same in the pack of everyone else in that scene for me. And so with this record, I feel like this is the first time where I feel like Carly, where I feel like Carly's vocals really are unique and adding something that elevates what the, everyone else is doing in the band. Um, Dead Bury the Dead is a great way to kick off the record. A fucking great riff and an actual even more memorable vocal performance than we've seen up until this point. I think this is one of the first albums where they had a little bit more of a budget, obviously, that will allow them to have a better mix. I feel like the guitars have more texture to them and there's just more tightness in the delivery of this record as a whole. For me, you get songs like Remove Me and later on even a song like Down while I feel like most people are probably going to bitch and say this is where they obviously are trying to sell out. They're trying to get radio play or whatever. But I think I think the thing that's interesting about it, and if you really listen to those songs in the conjunction with the rest of the discography up to this point is, yeah, they may be writing a more traditional song structure, you know, verse, chorus, you know, so on and so forth. But they're not dumbing it down. They're still playing technical music. They're still doing it the Candiria way. They didn't they didn't compromise who they are to write better songs. That and was the general consensus from the fan base at that time. I'm sure it is. And I mean, to me, it's like if you thought that was the obvious single, I mean, Fuck it. I mean, if you think Remove Me was the obvious single, they followed up immediately <laughs> with a thousand points of light, which is just a fucking brutal banger. So to me, it still keeps like Joe was saying, they still find ways to keep doing what they've always done. Um, keep you on your toes. For me, I love hooks in heavy music, and this one really hits that sweet spot for me. It may be the album most aren't into as much because of that. But if you want the things you liked about the old albums, they're fully on display here. They're just a little bit tighter and a little bit better, in my opinion. And this is also the start of what we're going to get in 2016. So they had to get there somehow. And you can't just go from dissonance to melodic focused the way that many people would prefer. I have one question real quick to throw to either of you in case either of you know the answer to this. I did not look this up. Do I would assume they that was an accident that someone caused the van to flip, correct? Yeah, absolutely. They were hit by a tractor trailer. Okay, so they got money, right? Don't know the answer. Okay, I was just yeah, I don't do know we, that either. Okay, because I was going to say, do we potentially know if they dump some of that money into this record and that's where we're kind of getting the better sound from? I don't I don't know. Okay. Just wondered. It's a different record company. I mean we could mention that if we want, that this is like the fifth record company they've had or fourth at this point. Well it's just it's the only rec it's the only record that sounds this way. So it was just one of those where I wonder if they were like, Hey, we have some money now, so let's dump it back into the band. Yeah, I mean the vocals are better. The the overall sound is significantly stepped up, which this is where I'm gonna be me for a minute and say like Part of the appeal to me for Candiria was how heavy and brutal they were. And I'm not for a minute saying that they are not, in fact, heavy and brutal. Um, I mean, I'm listening to the Nameless King right now, and I mean, kind of hard to kind of hard to say that that song's not heavy because it definitely that song's is so fucking good. Yeah, dude. Uh, the material on this is great. 
but it does concern me about the discography moving forward that we're just going to keep cleaning up, cleaning up, cleaning up. And uh, for some people, that's a positive. Um, I mean, guys like Joe are like, dude, I really like heavy stuff, but I want it to sound good. Same. <laughs> Absolutely. Know? Same within reason. And so this record is 100% that. You want a cleaned up Candiria that, that's still doing all the cool stuff that they've always done? Uh, this is this is it. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> the rawness is is a little bit falling off for me. So even though this record's heavy, I did I did appreciate the the extremity of the vocals that are here. I mean, it's just not quite here uh, on this record. And maybe this is just what dude sounds like when he's not cupping the mic. <laughs> or maybe this is you know maybe this is a maybe this is a true representation of what he actually sounds like. I think you're right. And listening to some of the interviews with Carly, the one that's easiest to cite is the As the Story Grows with Travis. He was somewhere else, I think, in 2004. And even yeah. if he wasn't, the band's been around essentially for 10 years at this point. No matter how much you love making heavy, dissonant music and playing progressive free jazz and mashing it together and creating a new sound. At some point, you want to write a song and just fucking sing it and just fucking play it. That's not good if your vocalist is like Dan and he wants to be heavy and brutal all the time. But given enough influence, you can convince him to sing one every now and then. So I think this is a logical progression. I just don't think it's what the majority of fans wanted. It still sounds good. I wouldn't say majority. Good. I don't think that there were a lot of fans. Like, I mean, I hate to say that. Um, I think that they are a band that wasn't even mid-tier, which is frustrating to think about because of how good they were. I think maybe if they hadn't taken a couple years off, yeah, I mean, granted, they had the best reason in the world to take time off, obviously, but like, I'm not like citing them for that, but had that not happened, I kind of wonder what the momentum would have been in those couple of formative years because i mean between 2002 2004 heavy music had had significantly shifted you know suddenly a band like candiria would not have been as hard of a sell in 2003 as they were even in 2002 or 01 you know do you think candiria would have been lumped in with the other new metal bands that were playing heavy riffs and rapping in 2001 no, because because even though I think that there are new metal bands that heavily borrowed, aka straight up lifted elements from Candiria, uh, I don't think that they were ever truly a new metal band. Um, I think that they were kind of a proto new metal. You know, it's kind of like Rage Against the Machine. You can't really call Rage Against the Machine a new metal band uh, because they weren't. But a lot of new metal bands were influenced by Rage Against the Machine. You know, so like, I think with candiria it's kind of the same thing they're not playing the style that's popular because i mean even even what doesn't kill you i mean it's still much heavier than most of the new metal that was coming out at the time but if you go back even further i mean even the only new metal band the only new metal record the only new metal record that i can think of that came anywhere close to what candiria is doing would be mudvayne's ld50 it, like as far as like being anywhere close. I'm not saying it's a facsimile, but I'm saying it's the only, like, you know those guys were listening to Candiria, you know? And I don't think that, uh, we'll have to ask Greg, you know, he'll be like, I don't want to be here. 
Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, but I think, <laughs> I think, yeah, I'd be like, hey, Greg, how'd you like about Candiria? Hey, I, just, I just, I just want to leave, okay? Um, but yeah, this record obviously was really good. And again, like, this is the commercial, this is the commercial breakthrough that a band like this would need to, to go further, to get to more fans. But instead, the band basically just, for lack of a better term, basically just disbanded. I mean, they didn't disband, but they, they separated out. Everybody leaves. Basically, it's like it's like a mirror all over again, man. Everybody's gone pretty much, but the singer. This was the last record with the consistent lineup. 1999 till 2004, you had the same group of guys, but we're gonna need a new lead guitarist for the next one. 2009, Kiss the Lie. All right, I'm ripping the bandaid off this one. So three, two, one, go. Oh, look at that. I even got a good, ooh, yeah. Oh my God, Kim, maybe put the chocolate flakes on the Hell yeah. Look at this, by the way. My wife has been killing the cocktail game and shot game. Oh yeah, a little garnish on that, dude. I can't get that kind of service. I have yeah. a feeling she knows what you're about to say. <laughs> <laughs> this honey, is the, I'm this, honey, I'm gonna need something real strong for this one. This is the uh, sugar to go over the salt and medicine I'm about to give y'all. All right, so for me, no matter how many times I've tried to listen to this record and get into it, I am just not a fan of it. Um, I feel like the dynamics we've come to love from Candiria at this point are just not there. I feel like this is, and I even asked Dan, cause like, I didn't know if I was wording this correctly or not, but to me, this feels like the, instead of a band that lives kind of all over musically, wherever they want to be, this feels like this band and this iteration on this record, they are just living in that mid-tempo, Allison Chainsy kind of vibe to me. I gave it two more listens after the initial listen, when I first listened to the record, after having already decided I didn't like it when it came out, I listened to it again with the rest of the discography, and then I gave it two more listens, and I was like, I still don't like this. This has always been one of the biggest letdowns for me, following one of my favorites in the catalog. Like, you know, we talked with Amir, look at yourself, followed by hindsight, and you're just like, oh man, what the fuck? <laughs> like, to me, the, like it's funny that sometimes when we do these, Unbeknownst to us or how we're going to feel, you find parallels between two bands that probably have no similarities or parallels in, within them. And this was one where I was so much in love with What Doesn't Kill You and Kiss the Lie was it, almost aptly titled. I feel like you're like expecting your 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 longtime like hot girlfriend to come and, you know, whatever. And then you're like, oh, fuck, you're oh, what happened to you? You ain't the oh my same. god, have you been a cardboard cutout the whole time? Honey, you're a dead fish. You're weakened at Bernie's. <laughs> oh no. But I, mean, I, just, I think we've all been in that exact same situation before. I don't know. Just as a whole for me, this this just really missed the mark. Uh considering the last two records before this really progressed and, and had them going so high. Uh, within what they've done, this just was, it's not a good record to me. Um, maybe you guys will disagree. Maybe the people listening will disagree with me. Uh, there's not really any redeeming qualities for this record for me. This is not their finest hour. I'd like to know what they were trying to do. I don't think the band that wrote the last five records is 
in this record as much. Maybe that was a misstep. Maybe that was we have a new lead guitarist and he can't hang with what we're doing before. But that doesn't make any sense because I don't see Candiria hiring a guy that can't play their fucking shit. So maybe this was something they did because they had to and they just put up with the result. I honestly don't know. But it's definitely the low point in the discography for me. And it's definitely the low point mathematically knowing where we're going to be in 2016. This is not their finest hour. I feel like this record was in its planning stages. Um, I think that the band hadn't fully recovered from their accident. I know that sounds crazy, but these sort of things last. It It takes a long time to recover from something like this, even mentally. Even if you're fully physically recovered from something, the mental strain that you're going to associate with just driving <laughs> and going places and doing things uh, after this, and I don't know if that's what's going on or not, but I, I feel like it is. I feel like I feel like this is a whole bunch of ideas they had that kind of got mold around, mold around, mold around, and at some point there had to have been some sort of pressure put on the band to the extent where they're like, "You need to get this out," and that's how you end up with a record like this, where it sounds like I mean. It's got it's got kind of some Candirious stuff going to it, but like the problem is, is everything you've released up to this point's been a masterpiece, pretty much. And then now it's like, for another band, uh, you know, th- what this reminds me of a lot actually is I hate to keep bringing up Sepultura, but um, it reminds me of like the first Sepultura album that came out after Max Cavalera left the band, where like it's not bad, but it's not the same. And it's very obvious that it's not the same. And the ideas don't flow together very well. They seem disjointed again. It almost sounds like something that should have come out before What Doesn't Kill You Makes You Stronger and absolutely does not succeed as a follow-up to that record. That's that's just the cold, hard truth of it. And it's just not great. But it's like, I'm not going to harp on the band too much in the sense that, like, I mean, you gave me a bunch of masterpieces, so I'm going to let it go. I'm going to get over it. It's time. 2016. While they were sleeping. This guy's a little bit different. So you've got the the more almost, almost clean vocal approach that Carly's using here that we've kind of become accustomed to over the past few records. I feel like this is a legitimate attempt at a return to form. I don't think that it's successful because we're still kind of they are they are kind of trying to bring the jazz thing back a bit. They're trying to make that off-kilter sound. But like man, I just kind of like listening to this album wondering like where the hip-hop collabs are and where you know the freeform jazz is and where all that stuff is because as time goes on i'm starting to feel like they're just becoming a metal band that's churning out records like objectively they're not i mean they waited what seven years or nine years between records or something like that seven years i can't do math very well um it's true but but like for such a long wait this is absolutely better than kiss the lie however it is absolutely not better than what doesn't kill you 
that record is such a great middle point for their career in that it's like everything here and before is solid gold everything after that your mileage may vary and i think a lot of it comes down to the fact that i think they're still trying to make uh they're trying to make what doesn't kill you will make you stronger but i do think that this record is a really solid attempt considering it's basically a different band this is definitely not a return to form this is the next step for candiria this record is a full-on concept and i would refer you to any of carly's interviews or writings to fully understand the story i keep it in my head as this is escape from new york with diehard implications that is my oversimplification of what is going on. There are characters. Noel has mentioned many times. There is a point where the New Year's ball is dropping and somebody is tied to the pole. So there's revenge plots that happen here. And it's pretty fucking cool. And it sounds like the old school Candiria just went with that idea instead of well, now we're going to try to do the rock thing, or now we're going to try to bring back what we had before. I don't think they did that. I think it sounds like the next step, the Candiria sound, bring back the jazz, bring back everything that we do, because it's been seven years, and if we're going to make a record, let's do this shit for real. Uh, well, I, Joe, I feel like you're in the minority on this record. Um I feel it it feels bad to sit here and know that we've essentially gushed over the entire discography and that really the only two blemishes on the, the discography are the two most recent ones. I remember when this record came out, I wondered what the album was going to sound like and what iteration of Candiria I basically was going to get. And putting this on and being bummed almost immediately. I feel like the balls of this band have been taken away by uh, eh, mixing and mastering. The guitar tone on this is it's lacking. Um, you know, there's uh, I don't remember the song title, but it's got like a fucking like really like single note, like kind of like it, it's a solid fucking riff, but it's got no balls behind it because of how it's been mixed. And I feel like that's something that sucks about this this album for me is I feel like it's almost kind of been had the legs taken out from it from being as good as it could have been. There are weird. Maybe it's me. But when listening to this record, there were times where I'd have to turn a song up because it sounded it, it was very low. <laughs> I pissed Joe off so much he left. He's gone. <laughs> um, there was a time where I there was a time where I ended up having to turn a song down because it was so loud. And then the next song would be so quiet, I'd have to turn it up. And I don't know if that was just me uh, or a weird like iTunes is being weird with some of their shit. I know sometimes that happens. Trying to find a positive in this, though, because it's something I at least want to try to do uh, on my time on the show. Well, I'm going to I'm going to read a brief synopsis about the about the record and the concept. Uh, While They Were Sleeping is a concept album conceived by the band's lead vocalist, Carly Coma, telling the tale of a failed musician who rises up against a monarchy in New York City. 
While they were sleeping, aims to encapsulate a vision of the contemporary world and all of its riotous and tech-driven complexity. Ambitions as such an idea may seem. It's part of Kandaria's natural development and has given birth to some of the band's proudest and most challenging moments. And so I appreciate that that he went for a, a, a big concept, but there's something that Joe said at the beginning of this episode that really kind of is how I feel about this record. Remember how we were talking about how Kandiria is so good and so great that they're super progressive without being a progressive band? Uh, this is where they're starting to enter that territory of being generically progressive. Yeah. And that the ideas on this record are very good. The execution. The execution just doesn't hit for me. It doesn't have the rawness that I expect out of Kandiria. Which, that's my own problem. They haven't been super raw since 2001. It's 19 years ago. I know I need to get over it. But um, when, you, when you're throwing concept records at me like this, I just can't get behind the concept if I don't love the songs. But maybe, I don't know, this, this might be one that grows on me over time. It's definitely an album that I've spent the least amount of time with. And overall, I don't love it in comparison to their older works. By the way, the song I was thinking of because I pulled it up while while Dan was talking, that song that has that riff that I fucking love, but would be way better if it was sounded like the other records, the whole world will burn. That song, if it had a better mix on it, would have been fucking gnarly as shit. And then especially when they come out of that like jangly part right before it, like that almost like how Dillinger kind of does those like kind of things before like just pummeling you with something. If it had a better mix on this, would have been way better. 10,000 Tears is also a really solid, solid track. Um, so there are my positives for the record, but by and large, I feel like the things that has made this band stand out are not present on this record, or the last two for that matter. I think this one is the only example that you just need to sit down and listen to the whole album. It's kind of like Colors. Alaska, great record, but you can listen to any of the tracks. The Silent Circus, you can listen to the tracks. Colors, you have to listen to it hundreds of times, in my opinion, before you can listen to a track and understand the concept of what is going on. This one, you're right, it's not mixed the same. It doesn't sound the same. I don't know what iTunes has going on that the level's changed on you, but the physical album CD that is still in my car and... I listened to more times this week than I care to admit. It's one of those start-to-finish records that doesn't sound like what they've done before, but the band that's been around since 1995 clearly put this together. You could almost take this story and even the record and say, this is going to be the rock opera that you're going to go and sit and watch for the next hour and a half. I think something like that would be really cool, but I don't think that's what the majority of Candiria fans want. I think you'd have to be some form of diehard to have the same opinion in 1995 that you have in 2016 or today in 2021. This one's really cool to me, and it's not the best record by Candiria, but it's the high point in the discography for me. That's fair enough. No, I mean, I'm glad that it, I'm glad that it, you got something out of it that I didn't. But uh, yeah, I'll have to I'll have to check a little bit more into the lyrics. 
Uh, I haven't been huge on lyrics this episode. I just after reading all of Amir's lyrics uh, last week, I was kind of done with lyrics uh, for a while. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> you know, uh, yeah, I mean, I think I think overall, though, I mean, these guys are still the real deal. I, I definitely would like to hear a return to heavier. But uh, I think if this band has told us anything over the years, they don't really care how we feel about it at all. Uh, and I think that's really the mindset to have when you're making challenging progressive music. Final thoughts on Candiria. John. Well, I think this is definitely a band that has something for everyone. I think the other parts might be too far in those other directions that maybe others won't enjoy as the thing they are into. This is definitely a band that has found a way to be influential to so many and remain true to themselves in the process as well. As we've kind of hit on and as we have seen countless times, um, that only gets you so far. And more often times than not, that doesn't get you anything. Damn, what about you? I think that Candiria is a really a hidden gem of a band that I feel like was heavily influential in the development of heavy and techie music as we know it now, but remain largely uncredited for it kind of not fair really in a way i look at i look at their spotify numbers and i'm just like come on man like there's got to be more there's got to be you, more people out there that appreciate this you're that meme come on do something yeah come on do something yeah like i i want to see a, a band that's this good that's had this good of a legacy and this good of a career deserves more recognition absolutely i like what travis said we played it at the beginning of the show. Candiria is the heaviest band. They do what everyone thinks they want to do when they set out to write a progressive metal record. Your primary influence may not be Candiria. You might have been listening to Opeth or Between the Buried and Me or Pink Floyd this week and said, that's the record I want to make. But Candiria takes all of the standard progressive styles and throws them together in a very unique way. It's simple, but it's executed very well. They have no problem going from straight rock to dissonant to hardcore to jazz and everywhere in between. And everything they've done over their 20 plus year career led them to a concept record. If they had done that in 1999, they would have been considered presumptuous. And I don't think anyone would have taken them seriously. You're writing a concept album, a concept metal record. The band is an excellent journey. You will enjoy this discography. If you're a fan of heavy music, if you're a fan of solid musicianship, if you're a fan of lyrics... Everything is here, so listen to it. You're welcome. Thank you, Travis. Damn, what's your album of the week? Uh, that would be an EP that I've been listening to a lot lately, which what are is those? Circle Back, The Gift of Time. John, what about you? Let Live, Fake History. For me, it's Candiria. While they were sleeping, did you have any doubt in your mind? Yes. <laughs> I must have been sleeping on that album. Take us out, DFT. If you've ever listened to our podcast and wish that you had a more direct role in deciding what bands we talk about, 
You can reach out to us in several different places, including facebook.com slash discography discussion, Twitter at discuss metal, Instagram at discuss metal. You can send us an email at Dan and Joe show at gmail.com. Uh, and we also have a YouTube channel now under at discuss metal Dan, where I'm going to be posting all kinds of cool content for you guys to enjoy. Sometimes live streams, uh, videos of us recording the episodes, all that good stuff. So make sure to be following me over there on YouTube. And, uh, yeah, you can leave us band suggestions. Uh, let us know what bands you want to hear. Let us know your opinions on our opinions about uh, some of these bands. And uh, if you want to get some sweet discography discussion merch, you can get it at our Teespring store. There will be a link in the show notes that will take you right to Teespring so you can get yourself a sweet discography discussion hoodie, comfy socks, a coffee mug, a cell phone case, whatever you want. Our logo will be on it, and everybody will know that you are a true discography discussion fan. If you want to join us on our Discord server, there will also be a link for that in our show notes. It'll take you right to Discord, where fans of the show like to talk about current events, their favorite bands, memes, their opinions on the show. You can chat in real time. Discord is the best. We hope to see you guys over there. And on that note, this has been episode 209 of Discography Discussion. Thank you for listening. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Discuss Metal. Subscribe to our podcast everywhere you listen to podcasts, including Google Play, Apple Podcasts, and Stitcher. Visit DiscussMetal.com for all things discography discussion. And please send questions and comments to Dan and Joe Show at gmail.com. If you are not a patron, you can become one at Patreon.com forward slash Discuss Metal. We have some sweet perks. $1 a month gets you into that exclusive album review feed. 